Uh, this month, we've been talking to different members of our congregation um, about their connect, their practices and their walks with God. And so this morning, I'd like to invite Mary Jo to come and uh, have a conversation with me about uh, what happens when God seems to hide. <laughs> and um, if you don't know, this congregation has what I probably at least six spiritual directors yes. in it. Yes. That was by my count. And uh, that has been true for quite a long time. This is a place where people go deep in their spiritual lives, and they also believe we believe in companioning each other in our spiritual life, that we can't make it on our own. And Mary Jo is probably one of the first spiritual directors in the 30 country. years. 30 years. So, yes. And uh, so I wanted to talk to you today, Mary Jo, about what you've learned over that time about the hiddenness of God, what happens when there's a cloud in our spiritual lives and we can't sense God's presence? Uh, well, there's a sense of abandonment. Mm. Um, there's a sense of panic. There's a sense of identity, mm. loss of identity. Mm -hmm. um, there's fear. Um, can be all kinds of things that happen. Um, it's, you know, I, I view my job as a director is to remind them that God is always cradling us. We might not see God, but God is cradling us. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a plaque I have on my wall. Kent Smith has it on his wall. <laughs> Ann Hillman had it in, on her fireplace. It's bidden or not bidden. God is present. And it's to remind me as I tread through the day that God is there. And so uh, that's, you know, the, it's, it's not... I disagree for the people that see, feel forsaken, but together we work towards helping them to see God again, see the cracks in the darkness so they can see a lot, see the light. Mm, that is a beautiful uh, description of what a spiritual director does. Yeah. Where has this been in your own life? Oh, it's, um, I guess about, about 16 or 17 years ago, I was invited to lead the Ignatian exercises mm -hmm. at Mercy Center, which I did for a number of years. And the Ignatian exercises, as you journey with someone, I've journeyed with some people in the room, uh, you journey with someone to find God in their life. They have a desire or a wish. But for me, what happened is I saw God everywhere. I continue to see God everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, it, um, it, you know, I, I wake up in the morning and I say, God, what are we doing today? So um, it's, it's, it's who I am. It's helped me live my faith fully. And, you know, I was working in a penthouse office doing accounting 
and I wound up at Valley trying to put together a program, being paid not that much, <laughs> and the happiest I'd ever been in my life. Mm. And that's where God wanted me. Mm. And that's where God still wants me. Mm. I'm so grateful for your faithful walking in the dark, when it's dark, and mm. in the light, and for mm. the ways that you have influenced so many people in here to keep walking in their in their life and with God. So yeah. would you read the scripture for us? Sure. This morning? I'll be happy okay. to. Great. What did I do? I took the scripture with me. Okay. Well I left something down there too. So let's go grab what we need and then we'll come back. I'll be back. It didn't Great. teach me to be efficient, but it taught me to flow go with the flow. There we go. Okay, the reading today is from John 14, verses 23 to 29. Jesus answered him, Those who love me will keep my word, and my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but it is from the Father who sent me. I have said these things to you. I am still with you, but the Advocate Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away. I am coming to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice that I am going to the Father because the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you this before it occurs so that when it does occur, you may believe. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thanks be to God. So in the um, always adventurous journey of living with COVID, I found out this morning that I had a close exposure late last week. So preaching with my mask on um, today and uh, you know we keep rolling with it, right? So uh, it might be a little harder for you to understand, a little harder for me to focus, but let's all work on just being present together in this. As most of you know, I lived in Central Oregon uh, for six and a half years before I moved back here to the Bay Area almost five years ago, believe it or not. And what I, people are always asking me, why in the world would you leave Bend, Oregon to come back to the Bay Area? Everyone's always going the opposite direction. And in truth, I'm quite happy to be back here in the Bay. I love living in the Redwoods. And uh, just this week was driving along the peninsula, say, thinking to myself, I'm so glad I have the opportunity to live here on the peninsula, having lived in the East Bay 
much of my life. But if you ask me what I miss most about Central Oregon, it's the sky. Because the sky there is like the sky in Montana, where it just does not end. And you come over a crest, and you see the Cascade Mountains, and it is just glorious. And that is what I miss the most, is those, those drives and those vistas. And a few weeks ago, I went up for a board meeting that I had uh, in Sisters, and I drove over the crest, and it was a sunny day, and the mountains were out, as you say, in Bend. And I thought, it was worth this nine-hour drive just to see this view again, because I miss that so much. Of course, two days later, as also happens in Central Oregon, it was overcast. There was even some snow in early May. And so I kept looking at that sky, trying to see if I could see the outline of Mount Washington or the outline of Broken Top. But there was no mountain there. And you've probably heard this illustration before, but that's how many of us seem to experience God. There's moments of absolute awe and presence and realness. And then there's also moments or days, or weeks, or even years, where there are clouds. And it's like there's this lingering of the memory of what we saw at one point. And so what does faith in the clouds look like? Which I think for many of us is a good portion of our lives. Would you pray with me? Oh God, you who come to us bidden and unbidden, be with us now. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. You who are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So the text that Mary Jo read for us today is from Jesus' farewell discourse. Now this is a, a traditional um, motif mode in uh, literature of the time, in ancient literature, where when a teacher is going away or dying, there is this sense of a farewell discourse where they name their successor and they kind of leave parting words. And so this is what we have in John, the book of John. John is written about 90 years after Jesus had died, so there's a sense that there's a lot of the tradition that had been established up to that point and the experience that people had had living after Jesus had been and come and gone, um, they were getting a sense of what it's like for them to live, what they were experiencing of Jesus' life at the time. And so Jesus in this text is preparing his disciples for his absence. It's a really intimate text. You almost feel like you, you did walk up into the upper room or something and you're hearing people discuss something that is, is very close and for their ears only. And what we didn't hear in the reading today, because it's not included in the official reading, um, was how it started. One of the disciples asks Jesus, how will you make manifest yourself to us and not to the world. 
So Eugene Peterson translates this question, Master, why is it about why is it that you are about to make yourself plain to us but not to the world? Such a good question. Why aren't the mountains visible to everyone all the time? Frederick Beekner, in his book, Magnificent Defeat, wrote this, one of my favorite passages, when he said, what would happen if, if God wrote in the sky one day, I exist in the clouds? And people walked out and pointed, and everyone believed, and there was just kind of this great swell of, of belief. And then in the end, he says, something like, and then at some point a little kid is going to walk out and go, who cares anyways, and go on with the rest of their lives. So this, this sense of paradox about we want more of God, we want more visibility, we want to know God's there, and yet there's also something about God being too obvious sometimes that, that might make it even more difficult for us to really encounter the God who is there the life of faith can be a bit opaque at times. Our five senses are, are rarely employed in how we experience God in the world. We don't see God even like we see the mountains. We don't touch Jesus like the disciples could touch him. This Gospel of John, as I said, was written last in all of the Gospels. And so much of its wisdom comes not from just the physical presence of Jesus and the narrative tradition of what they remember him saying, but what had been learned in the physical absence of Jesus. So I think today I'm going to retitle this section, Tips for Cloudy Days. <laughs> First tip comes with this verse, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him or her and make our home with them. Or in the words of Eugene Peterson, the reason I don't make myself plain to everyone is because a loveless world is a sightless world. If anyone loves me, he will carefully keep my word and my father will love him. We'll move right into the neighborhood. When I lived in Central Oregon, I had to remind myself some days to look at the mountains. I'd drive to church on a Sunday morning with my head full of thoughts about what was ahead, and there was this, this street that I would drive down where I could catch a view of the mountains. There's always like a little bit of jealousy that other people got to go skiing and I had to go to work, but besides that, <laughs> there was this moment of taking in their beauty to watch how they changed with, with the play of light, to watch how the snow would arrive in the fall and to notice as it began to go away in the early summer. And similarly, the writer of John says that the presence of God is revealed by living close to the words of Jesus, by attending to them, by watching them, by being in relationship to them. And sometimes the life of faith can be boiled down to this level of simplicity, I think. How closely are we attending to our life with God? How closely are we watching for God in our lives? 
and remembering that we can always return, bidden or in, unbidden, God is coming to us. So the first tip is pretty simple, although sometimes we forget it. Keep close. Keep close to the words of Jesus. The path of Jesus has been tested and worn through centuries of war, pandemics, economic struggle, loss, death, sickness. The words of Jesus have sustained the weary, given strength to the peacemakers, and provided fuel for the trailblazers of justice. Keep close to these words. Second tip. Jesus says, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Jesus promises that when he went, the Holy Spirit would guide his disciples and they would have and we will have all we need. This is a really big promise with a lot of kind of ultimate words that the Holy Spirit will teach you everything and remind you of everything. Feels a little bit like an overreach, doesn't it? Like, I don't know about you, but I don't always feel like I remember and have everything that Jesus said at my fingertips. But it reminds me of the teachings of the great mystic Julian of Norwich when she said, all shall be well. All shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. Julie, Julian had nearly died, and her visions were on the verge of her deathbed are what prompted this kind of direct experience of God. This deep confidence of enoughness that comes with a life lived in the presence of the Holy Spirit. We often catch the sight of having had enough, in hindsight, when we look back and see that we had what we needed to get through the dark moments of our lives. But how does darkness, how does a cloudy day feel different when you believe that the Holy Spirit is with you to give you what you need? It changes you from grasping to trusting, no longer rushing to fill the empty spaces but trusting that the emptiness within yourself is waiting to be filled with the presence of the Spirit. And sometimes, often, this can take a lifetime to fully understand. So the second tip for cloudy days, there is enough. The third tip for cloudy days, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. Jesus says, in the absence of my physical presence, you will find peace. Peace seems to be here less of a feeling and more of a practice. Notice the text says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let your hearts be afraid. How do we practice peace? I can't recommend highly enough the book by Barbara Brown Taylor, Learning to Walk in the Dark, in which she explores the role of darkness in the spiritual life 
and normalizes it. Here's what she says towards the end of the book. If you are ready to learn to walk in the dark, then try doing it while you take three long breaths. Next time you can try four. After that, you can trust yourself to know when to stop and when to go. Believe me, you will know. Your job is as simple and as hard as this. Drop what you believe about the dark or have been taught about the dark to see for yourself what is true. The practice of peace is as simple and hard as taking a few extra long breaths each day and returning to trust. So the third tip for cloudy days, practice peace. I'm not sure how satisfying you find these tips for cloudy days, but I think they speak to the paradox of the journey of faith. Jesus says after this, I am going away and I am coming to you. I am going away, I am coming to you. Paradox, I am going away and I am coming to you. Both of these things are true at the same time. The long journey of faith understands this. Faith is not about happily ever afters and easy answers. It's about a journey between hiddenness and presence, between darkness and light, between a view of the mountains and the cloudy days. It's about staying close, finding enough, and practicing peace. This paradox is part of what I think of as the burrowing of God's presence within our souls. I've spoken a few times in recent months um, for understandable reasons, I think, about my dear friend and uh, spiritual director of mine, Roz, who passed away in December. A few weeks ago, I was uh, gifted to lead her memorial service, and I shared her final words at that memorial service. And I think they bear mention this morning because they so beautifully echo the farewell discourse of Jesus. This is what she said right before she died in a moment of a lucid moment in that cloudy paradoxical space between life and death. I hope you all have a death like this. There's nothing to fear. There's nothing to fear. It's all light and it's all love. In this world that's often so dark and troubled, let your life shine. Don't let the world blur your light. Pretty amazing words to say on your deathbed. Stay close. There is enough. Practice peace. Amen. Speaking of peace, our choir is going to be singing a prayer for the children, and so I'd like to invite them to come up. And as they're coming up, I want to remind you that Valley Presbyterian exists to help us stay close to God, to remind each other there is enough, and together to practice peace. So we invite you to give today. A little bit about this anthem. Uh, Kurt Bester wrote it in 1995 in the aftermath of the Rwandan genocide. 
and in the midst of the Bosnian War. Um, it's a really poignant um, expression of grief and a prayer for peace in the midst of those atrocities. Um, in the last month, he suggested that a snippet of Croatian text be changed to Ukrainian. Thank you. 